You're listening to Live Wild Radio, the part-time adventure podcast. Join us as we explore how outdoor adventures build mind, body, and spirit. Hey, Winston. What do you think about the uh, the long nights and dark days coming up ahead? <laughs> well, um, being that it happens every year... Uh, it's a case where, for me, um, it, 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 it's a switch of, uh, I guess, thought process, mm. right? Like, I have to wear long pants. Right, because um, you wear shorts as long as you can. Yeah, I do. You're wearing shorts right now. I We're in November. In middle of November. <laughs> November 14th, and I'm still in shorts. It's getting chilly, but, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this is middle of November. And in this episode, what we want to talk about is uh, winter outdoor pursuits, but also because we're still living in the the world of COVID restrictions, um, how you can use winter pursuits um, and uh, basically different types of activities to b- both be in better shape, have fun, um, go on adventures with your family, and help your mental health. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's sort of the way that we deal with it. Because mm-hmm. winter is sort of an ongoing thing every year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and as somebody who deals with depression, the winter tends not to be one of the best times of year for me because I'm getting less sunshine. Um, so I've had to develop uh, a number of approaches, right? So the the reality is with COVID is lots of people that didn't have any mental health issues they have them now. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Especially when you're stuck at home and uh, either because you're not working or you're working from home and you have that limited human contact and your routine's out the window and maybe that podcast or radio, sports, newscast, whatever you were listening to on your way to work was, you know, a <laughs> <laughs> bit of a glimmer of hope. But uh, yeah, I, I find it, you know, if you can embrace it, it can be really invigorating. Mm-hmm. Um, just the change in temperature and coming out of, I like to go for morning hikes. Um, and I find with when there is snow, the crunch under your feet, the, you know, although it may be a little bit dark, it's still light because of the white snow and you might still see the moon. Um, it's really beautiful. It's it's a whole new magical world. And if you can uh, take the time to just bundle up. And you really don't need to bundle up when you're going out for a hike because uh, you are going to get pretty warm. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be really, really invigorating, I think. Great way to start the day. Mm-hmm. It's actually my favorite time of the year that in fall and uh, spring, maybe not spring so much because of the rain, it's really muddy, but it's a great time to go hiking despite the ice mm-hmm. if you know what to put on your feet. Yeah. Yeah. So. We're going to start off today talking about activities that are accessible to most people, um, you know, and we'll work down the list. Yeah. Um, so first off, and it's just such a simple thing, is just get out, any outdoor store sells them, and get a set of micro spikes. They're little cleats that'll go on the bottom of your shoes. Yep. And now you don't slip on the ice. Well, that's what I was referring to is uh, exactly that. Um, you can go down pretty steep trails and paths with ice on it. And not even bat an eyelash. Yeah. Now, I usually do take my hiking poles because I get an upper body workout as well. And mm-hmm. I tend to go faster. And and in case there is a bit of a slip, I've got something to lean on. But really, it's more for a workout perspective. And uh, yeah, even when you're, you're going into work, sometimes uh, it's just icy out. I have them in my car. Yeah. You know, because and um, 
any of the prices we talk will be Canadian. So for our American listeners, it'll be a little cheaper. Uh, but if you want to get a set of poles um, and uh, half decent micro spikes, um, cleats, crampons, whatever people want to call them, um, that are suitable for like trail walking and sidewalk walking, the two of them together would be maybe 120 bucks. Mm-hmm. So it's not crazy expensive. Yeah. And we uh, quite like Black Diamond. For the poles. For the trekking poles. Yeah. Um, uh, they last a long time. Yeah. What's the material? What's uh, what's the version we have? Uh, they're basically the aluminum ones with the core candles. Okay. Um, I think the Trail Pro or, you know, some nonsense. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, we've had them for years. And what micro spikes do you like in particular? Uh... Like the Cthulhu micro spikes, um, or like the Hill Sound Trail Crampon Pros, mm-hmm. um, or Ultras, I think. Yeah. Um, because it's aggressive enough that it works on the trail, but it's not so spiky that you can't walk on the sidewalk with them. Right. Um, you know, because if you're doing kind of an urban off-road adventure where there's like some sidewalks and then there's uh, trails, it's nice to have something where you're not walking on, you know, little, you know, Velociraptor teeth. Got it. Um, Yeah, like our mountaineering ones. Yeah. Um, So that's that combined with just the right clothes um, instantly lets you go places that you'd be fearful to go before. Oh, absolutely. And the key on the clothing is to wear uh, synthetics, uh, layers. And when you start off outside hiking, you pretty much want to start off cold um, because you're going to build up heat, um, assuming that you're going to be you know, working at a good pace and you're actually moving and you're trying to get a workout. So I actually put on a, a weighted vest also when I go out and I just, so I literally just wear my tight uh, synthetic turtleneck, long sleeve with my weighted vest and a shell. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I can go into minus 20 degree weather doing that and feel good, feel cold at the beginning, but fine after that, maybe a toque. Mm-hmm. Little beanie. Yeah. Exactly. So that's a great way, inexpensive way to get out, get exercise, start your day, good for your mental health, good for training, Mm -hmm. you know, but um, that's you enjoy the weather. I think an upgrade from that would be naturally snowshoes. Yeah, because the terrain that they let you go on is so much broader. Right. Um, Deeper snow. How much deeper snow would you start to then consider snowshoes Uh, on trails? Generally, I'd say probably like, you know, a foot. Okay. Okay. you know, because that's where the support and not having it, especially if it's kind of that, that snow that squeegees under your feet, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the micro spikes aren't able to bite in cause there's too much shit underneath your feet. So that's where the snowshoes start to shine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially if it's packing snow cause trying to walk through that. It's With like, your spikes, it just clumps up and it's like walking balls. through sand. Yeah. Um, and that's not even getting into any steep hills. And the the thing that's kind of cool with snowshoes is that almost like every pursuit nowadays, there are options for everything, right? So you can get a recreational snowshoe, pretty easy to use binding. You know, it's an aluminum frame with a with a um, plastic deck, and then you can get all the way up to like what we use when we go in the mountains, like our tubs, um, flex alps. Mm-hmm. Um, or flex verts because we've got the boa binding but it's got a, a heel lift on it so when you're going up hills it supports your foot 
Um, so it takes a lot of pressure off your calves. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not walking on your toes the whole time. Uh, and then the binding is like a, a boa dial, like you see on snowboards or cycling shoes. So it's really easy to do up. Right. Cause when you have really, really cold temperatures, the last thing you want to do is fiddle. Yeah. Get frostbite on your and, fingers. <laughs> you know. Well, and the great thing is you can do them up with your mitts on. Yeah. Um, and then the underside of them is like from tip to tail is a crampon, right? Mm -hmm. You've got like, so you can walk on snow, ice, um, you know, just gnarly conditions, mm -hmm. right? So uh, you've got like a, a broad range available. There's even like from MSR, uh, their snowshoes um, come in a certain length. So you might get a 22 inch or 25 inch. And the heavier you are, the bigger the snowshoe you need to support you, to spread your load out. Yeah, it's done by weight, not height or yeah. shoe size. But what's cool with the MSRs is, uh, let's say you have a 25 inch snowshoe. Um, well, you can buy tails to add on to them mm -hmm. to now make them a 30 inch, mm -hmm. but you don't need to have the tails on all the time. So it's like having two sizes, you know, a, a sort of shorter, more maneuverable, mm -hmm. and then a longer one for deeper snow. Mm -hmm. And you could just keep those tails in your little backpack or, you know, what I have wish you. I, I wish mine had those. Yeah. Those are cool. Yeah. And that's ideal for when you're truly out back country and you're in deep, deep snow. Like what kind of deep snow are you talking about? Like, that's where, like we would have really liked them like in February when we were in the Dax and we had to cut our own trail. When oh, it was yeah. three feet deep. Oh my God. Like it, the snow was about four feet deep, but yeah. like once it's packed down, there was still a foot of snow on the ground, right? Underneath our feet once it was packed down, but we had to pack down three feet of snow. So I'm taking these giant steps and knocking it down. Yeah, and, and just as a quick segue, uh, shout out to the Adirondacks and Saranac Lake. We love your mountains and your trails and your. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> we want to see the borders open up soon, so we can come visit again. Yeah, um, but yeah, so that that's sort of the thing you'll run into with snowshoes. Like, there's something for everybody nowadays. Um, it's kind of like bikes, right? It used to be, you could get a a bike, then it was like road bikes and mountain bikes. You know, and then now there's like 10 different types of road bikes and 20 different like categories of mountain bikes. So whatever it is you're into, there's a bike for it. <laughs> Snowshoes is the same way. Well, that's a nice segue right into uh, fat biking. I didn't know that uh, until I met you that you could go in the wintertime. Yeah. So fat, fat bikes are because most people would refer to, you know, uh, mountain bikes as having fat tires. Right. But then... You know, this came out of like a, a race in Alaska called the Idata Bike or Idata Sport because there's the Idata Rod dog, dog sled race. Um, and then people started equipping bikes with like two rims and s stitching tires together to make it fat enough to roll on the snow. Um, and that sort of was part of the genesis of commercial companies then going, oh, there's a market for this, right? And then making... Uh, at the time, about four-inch wide tires, mm -hmm. um, frames that are designed to take it, rims designed for it. You know, you had to have like a wider um, crank to fit the wider frame and all that kind of thing. And now just about every company that makes mountain bikes makes a fat bike or a whole lineup of them. Um, now the tires have gotten up to five inches wide, hmm. so there's even more flotation. Um, and because they're so wide, they're also so tall 
um, you can run them at really, really low pressure. So when you're riding them, they actually squat out even wider. <laughs> so it really is like a riding set of snowshoes. Wow. Um, and there's even options as far as the tires go to get steel studded ones. So if you get icy. Really? Then it grips on that too. Oh my goodness. Yeah, because I just got into mountain biking this year and I really love it. Yeah. So to imagine to continue that in the winter. I mean, it would seem scary at first going down a hill with snow, but I guess you just got to do it. And Yeah, and if there's enough snow, if you wipe out, it's not as bad as landing on rocks. Oh, uh, that's true, <laughs> eh? But what about the um, the ice? Can it take, uh, is that where you definitely need the, uh, the if, spikes? If, if it's like, if you've got like a, a, a sheet of ice, sheet of ice, then yeah, because rubber's mm-hmm. not going to bite onto that. Okay. Um, but they exist. Yeah. You know, so um, if you're a cyclist, if you enjoy riding your bike, um, you can do it year round with the right bikes. Yeah. What you would know. they, a decent bike start at? Um, Canadian. Again, Canadian. You're probably starting about 1500 bucks. Okay. You know, um, and you can ride it with like insulated hiking boots just with flat pedals. Oh. Uh, and you can even get uh, like these pods that go over your um, grips and brake levers. Mm-hmm. So if it's windy, because wearing giant mitts is hard when you're riding your bike, yeah, you know, to operate the shifters and everything. Yeah. Um, it's basically almost like these hot pockets, <laughs> you know, like that. They you, attach to your handlebars, yeah. right? Um, so you put your hands in and those. it acts like a, a weather barrier for your hands. Yeah. So you don't have to have the giant gloves on. Oh my goodness. You know, so there's um, whatever, again, it's the same thing. Like God bless you know, lots of people rail against capitalism, but um, one of the things is people will come up with ideas, and the ideas that work, th- those businesses grow. Sure. Yeah. And what about um, the fitness that you get out of that? Is it better than regular mountain biking because of all the resistance? Um, no, because when you're on uh, on a regular mountain bike, uh, at least this is me, um, I go as fast as I'm capable of going, mm. right? So on a fat bike, I'm just not going as fast, right? But I kind of, um, to make it up a hill, you just give it everything you got, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's something you need to watch, especially when it gets sort of extra cold. Mm-hmm. You know, I sort of put this like below minus 20. Okay. Um, I try not to do anything that kind of redlines me, mm. you know, where you're just gasping for air because it burns, mm. you know? It's one thing to be breathing heavier, you know, what we're, like a steady work. Um, like you'd get from, you know, snowshoeing or cross-country skiing, that kind of thing. But that 100% effort where your, like, heart rate is pegged. Yeah. Um, has you breathing so deeply when it's super, super cold. Like, it just torches your lungs. Mm. Um, so I kind of watch how hard I go in the wintertime. Yeah. Um, you know, I find winter is great for building your fitness base. Yeah, let's switch topics a little bit here related to this. Because... Um, I was just, you just made me think about how, um, you know, obviously biking is great for cardio mm-hmm. and the alternative to that could be running, which very much could be, and, yep. and maybe with the spikes, but we had an earlier, uh, track tip Tuesday and, and blog about rucksacking, you know, yep. is ruck marching. ruck marching, sorry, is, uh, maybe 90% as effective as running. Yeah. Without so, the impact. Right. Exactly. So going back to a weighted vest or a loaded backpack backpack with maybe, you know, you start about 20 pounds, work your way up to max 60 for a guy, maybe 40 or 50 for a girl. Um, You're going to get an awesome training effect as you would from running. So uh, cardio wise too, because you're moving lots of load, right? Mm -hmm. 
but without the impact. So some other ways if people are looking at, geez, I can't get to the gym or I'm not comfortable going to the gym, that you can get some cardio, right? Here's some alternative ways, especially going up hills. Yeah. Well, and snowshoeing with a, a, a weighted pack or weighted vest on, mm-hmm. right? Because now you've got the poles, so it's got some upper body involved in it. Um, you know, when, when you've got a pack on, it works your back and all your postural muscles. Uh, and now you're also lifting your snowshoes. Yeah. Right? And moving those. So it, it, it's a thing. Like I, I sold some skis to a lady today. Um, who's a physiotherapist mm. and she's like, yeah, cause you know, really worried. Like, you know, I can't go to the gym. Like I'm really worried about COVID and da, 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 da. And it's like, oh, well, and I just started throwing out fitness ideas. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. Cause like when COVID happened, you know, like the original lockdown, mm-hmm. um, this is the kind of stuff I was doing. Uh, and so in the winter time, obviously I got her cross country skis today. Uh, Give her some information about getting a set of gymnastic rings. Yeah. Because you can do a ton of strength work on those, both for your upper body and core. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you add in like kettlebell swings, mm-hmm. goblet squats with the kettlebell. So you really just need one. Resistance bands. Yeah. Resistance bands, um, like four-way lunges like we, we do as warm-up. Right. Um those are amazing. Like you do those repetitiously for load, mm-hmm. right? You know, with like a 20 pound dumbbell or something like that. Cause you're working in all the different planes. You, you're not going to be as strong as humanly possible, but you'll stay in really good shape. Yeah. You, we talk about this quite extensively in episode 32 called quarantine fitness. Yeah. And I think we've got a blog on it as well. Yep. Some fitness ideas. Yeah. So definitely check that out. Um, we also had a really good couple of episodes with Alison Gaudette. She's my physiotherapist. She's amazing. Um, and so she did one on episode 20, injury prevention and rehab. And what I thought was really interesting about that one is you got to be really careful if you haven't been doing a particular exercise and just diving right on it into yep. it. Like even if that's running, you know, cause you're not used to it, especially if you're older. Um, you know, our bodies aren't quite as balanced or equally strong on both sides or flexible there's limitations that muscles aren't firing mm-hmm. it happens a lot so consider easing into it go at small baby steps consistency is key and doing something is better than nothing even if you feel like shit i didn't do five days a week hard on um but we also did another episode with her uh revisiting uh, physio you know uh actually it was fitness during quarantine uh COVID as well mm-hmm. Um, but that, that's worthwhile checking out. But overall, I mean, winter's a great time to train for the spring yeah. and set new challenges and just keep up your training, right? Especially when you're, uh, maybe not going out as often and, and, yeah, and, and distracted and, with the beautiful weather. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the, one of the things I would sort of steer anybody towards too, because we have limitations this winter, right? Um, while we go to the climbing gym and we climb with masks on, mm-hmm. I'm, we still haven't been to the actual fitness gym we belong to um, because it, it's just kind of uh, a little bit scarier, if you will. Um, there's way more people, uh, you know, and the protocols aren't as rigid as the climbing gym. Um, so it's one of these things where we're having to sort of make some adaptations, right? Part of it is sort of having our own home gym, but one of the things that I think would help a lot of people 
um, is if you can sort of create some like online connections mm-hmm. of people will like training groups. Yeah. Um, yeah. People that hold you accountable. Hold you accountable or even go do stuff with. So here's how. So maybe you cannot, you know, connect with somebody because or you don't want to because you have a social you can't, you know, respect the social distance. But there's a, f- a few times that I was keeping my distance from you. Well, that was hard. Mm-hmm. But I did. And we would just go for a walk or a hike or whatever. And we would put on our phones or your phones and talk to each other. But we would be at a distance. Mm-hmm. So we still did it. So the motivation of, okay, I'm, I'm meeting him. We're going to go now. Yeah. You know, he's on one side of the street. I'm on the other. And we're talking. Or if you're out on the trails. Because if you've got earbuds in, you know, attached to your phone and you're talking to somebody. You don't uh, have to be beside them. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like they're right in your ears. Like it's very intimate. It's very you know, intimate. When you can see them, you hear them like right inside your head. Yeah. Um, so it's like you're sort of connecting with friends. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that's really important. That's what I'd say has affected my ability to or my want and desire and motivation to show up every time to go working out, you know, was, you know, there's something about the gym and the ambiance and yeah. The energy and everybody's like you just once you're there you're there you do it doesn't matter if you're tired mm-hmm. um the keys just get in there <laughs> yeah and it, it is tougher when you're at home yeah right like because we've got the gear like because you know i keep telling you to do kettlebell swings but have you done any no no <laughs> uh, no it's been a better week i've been getting back into it but not quite yeah no. yeah like you should keep the kettlebell out of the closet so i can trip over it every time and yeah pick it up. <laughs> even well, if i have to pick it up and move it yeah, like you know, yeah. but but that's the thing. It's like Yeah, and just do like fucking five. Just five. Why five? Do ten. It swings. All right. Go quick. But <laughs> but if you were to do, you know, because you work from home. Yeah. So if you were to do ten swings every time you get up. I hardly get up. Yeah. I need a reason to get up. Yeah. You know. But whatever it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Um but just anything that gets you firing and moving. Mm-hmm. Um whereas if it never leaves the closet yeah it's a very expensive paperweight <laughs> out of sight out of mind yeah. yeah no that's true i have found at least in you know the summer biking with my friend jess at lunchtime we do an awesome bike ride so we're now talking about the winter i gotta talk to her about getting her maybe you know she can be my hiking buddy at lunch mm-hmm. so yeah definitely look into that uh whether it's just online accountability or scarva they do really cool app and you can compete with others strava like, sorry strava yeah, I always wonder what the hell are you talking uh, Strava, about? That's what I meant. Yeah. So Strava is really good. Um, you know, yeah. Get your buddies. Yeah. Or even if your buddies are at home, you know, and they're going for a walk. You guys make it a, lo- a walking date. Mm-hmm. You call and you go. Doesn't yeah. matter. But just get out there. Um, I've done cross country skiing in the past. I can't do it now because of my knees. But it's really good. It actually is low impact. Yeah. I'm just stage four osteoarthritis, so I'm out of stage. It's just not good. Um, although I haven't gone when I was super strong, so I'm curious if that would have been better, but probably not. It was more so when I was turning corners. Yeah. It's the rotation. Right. It's the twerking of the knee, yeah. but, uh, it is good otherwise. And, yeah. Like there, uh, if you can get the snow, that's yeah. the kicker. Um, but you were elite level cross country skier, um, like competitive skier has the highest VO2 max of like just about any endurance athlete. And part of the reason for that is that. Unlike, say, something like cycling or running, it uses the upper body as well. So there's more 
the more tissue you have involved, the more oxygen demand there is, and then the more stimulation your your whole cardiovascular system has. Um, so it can be, you know, if you do any endurance type activity in the spring, summer, fall, um, if, as long as we have enough snow, if you can cross country ski regularly, you know, just sort of steady, you know, you don't have to race or anything, mm-hmm. but, um, you run into the thing where, where it is phenomenal cross training and it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Right. And really the, is. if you look into it, just about every area that gets snow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Northern United States, Canada, um, you'll find in your area probably either some parks or conservation areas or even like Nordic ski centers where they do the groomed trails. Mm-hmm. And it's so much easier um, following groomed sure. tracks than cutting your own trail. For sure. Or trying to ski on trails people have already walked on. It's the worst. Right? Because it's choppy and, yeah. you know, um, a lot of times freezes unevenly. It's yeah. hard to ski on that. Yeah. But if you have... Uh, you know, proper groomed trails. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, and you're generally going into forest, so it's really magical. Yeah. And if you like downhill skiing, I used to do that, and you like that feeling. It's it's very very cool. Yeah. Well, and the and the cool thing you run into with cross country skis is you can get a, a complete package um, for give or take about four hundred bucks Canadian. Mm-hmm. Right. So yes. Or I'll sell mine for 150 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty good shapes. Uh, you know, eight and a half feet. <laughs> I think I, I got them when I was 190 pounds, something like that. Anyway, because yeah. it's also another weight thing and a height thing too. I'm five six, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's 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 just weight. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so contact me if you want some skis. Yep. Yeah. Um, which there is going to be a shortage this year. I know. Because today, I'm at, today at work. Uh. I ran into the thing of like selling like maybe six or seven pairs of skis. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we got a shipment in yesterday and what, of like 36 pair. Yeah. Uh, and I think we've got four or five left. I wonder if I should sell my snowshoes too. Oh, your, your bigger ones? Might as well. I'm yeah. not using them. Yeah. Do you see a need for me to use them? No, because they're not, there's not like a massive difference in size compared to. I might like, as well. Yeah. What are they? Uh, GV, um, mountain trails. Yeah. Um, I think 29 inches, uh, women. So they're a little bit narrower. So ladies, you don't step on your feet. Yeah. Um, heel lifts, pretty good crampons. Hardly used. Maybe five times. I don't know. Something like that. Anyway, I'm selling them. Yeah. So <laughs> welcome to the uh, uh, used outdoor equipment podcast. There's one in Kitchener. <laughs> we Wait, should find. What used outdoor equipment podcast? Um, yeah, no, not a podcast. It's a store, well, yeah, online store. Yeah, I'm still talking, very cool. You know, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. saying that you're turning this into the. Catherine, I know. Catherine I know. Wants to sell her gear podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's con- cross country skiing. The other thing about that sport too that I liked so much was you're you know you look at your heart rate and you're working hard yeah but you don't feel like it because it's your entire body it's like it's all spread out and so you know that idea of you know if you were just cycling and your heart rate was at that level you'd feel a lot more tired well like your legs would be on fire and your heart and maybe your cardio as well but my because i've compared it i'm Mm -hmm. like my cardio at this heart rate cross-country skiing feels a lot easier than it does um 
say biking. Oh, yeah. yeah and that's something that people might not be aware of. Um, so in, in any endurance activity, like running, swimming, cycling, um, you'll have an anaerobic threshold or a functional threshold, which is sort of the maximum power or speed you can maintain for an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, technically, anaerobic threshold is the point at which your body starts accumulating um, lactic acid faster than it can process it or, or metabolize it. But, you know, that's getting a little pedantic technical. Um, but fundamentally, there's a point like a heart rate that you can sustain. Mm-hmm. And if you go above that, it just feels like brutally hard work and you're going to run out of gas quickly. What most people aren't aware of is the fact that each activity has a different heart rate for that. Hmm. Right. So um, your running heart rate will be higher than your cycling heart rate. Um, and your cross country ski heart rate will be higher than both of those. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Um, you know, because with cycling, your weight is supported. You're not supporting your weight. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas running, it is supporting the weight. So there's more demand on the body. Mm. So your heart rate, your cruising heart rate would be higher. Cross-country ski, supporting the body and using the upper body. So that heart rate will tend to be, you know, the one that you can hold. Mm-hmm. Where it feels like you're working, but you could do it for a long period. Yeah. It's higher again. Hmm. Um, and swimming is the lowest one. Hmm. Right. Because you're only using your upper body. You know, you're kicking your legs, but it's mostly at the hips. It's not using your quads and hamstrings and butt all the same way. Um, the, the lower body range of motion is shorter or smaller. So if you had a heart rate monitor on in the pool, um, your maximum sort of cruising, you know, maintainable pace would be lower. Heart rate would be lower again. Yeah. You know, so that's that's the thing to be aware of. Um if you know what heart rate you would need cycling, you can't immediately apply that to cross country skiing because you'd be going you'd be going too easy. Yeah, especially if you're trying to use it as cross training. Yeah, right, and to a completely different sport. Yeah, so you need to sort of almost huh. do a fitness test with each activity. Right. So you know what that uh, what that heart rate is. Yeah, and some of the things that we love love doing is when you're camping. Yeah. You know, and so. Uh, a lot of people are cautious to venture out and do that. And we always do recommend start in your backyard, start easy. And so you can dial in on your gear, um, your clothing, your food, like everything's different. Yeah, your sleep system. Yeah. And, and we actually have a few, um, we have a blog on it as well as a podcast that gets into the details of that. Um, so specifically, uh, episode 26 is winter camping revisited and episode three, winter backpacking. Mm-hmm. We'll go into a lot of detail and you can check that out, but, um, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And what you'll run into is that you can put the pieces together, right? Cause you can either pull a sled with cross country skis, mm-hmm. um, or pull a sled or carry a backpack with snowshoes. Um, and so it's kind of a cool uh, way of, you know, during the week you can, you know, do fitness with these activities. Um, and one of the nice things you run into, particularly say so with something like snowshoeing or walking with your micro spikes, um, and you kind of alluded to getting out when it was darker in the morning, mm-hmm. but you can also, it gets dark early in the evening, right? So yeah. a lot of times when you're done work, it's dark. So the yeah. idea of like people think of winter outdoor things as just weekend activities, right? In but, the daylight, but just get yourself a kick-ass headlamp. 
Yeah, I'm right. glad that you brought that up. Um, I, I remember a guy took me out once on a date. It was a lot of fun. We went to um, uh, Huron Natural Area in Kitchener. And uh, actually, we went to HydroCut as well in the winter. And we just hiked there in the night with our lights, you know, our headlamps on. It was fun. It was like a whole other world. I felt like I went away. Because you do something, you're doing something you don't normally do, right? So it feels like it's a it's a bit of an adventure. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, a good headlamp expands your usable time mm-hmm. outdoors, right? Most people wouldn't think of doing anything yeah. in the woods at night. Um, Plus, there's nobody there. Yeah, you know, because and this is the thing: the odds of you having uh, a you know dangerous encounter with people mm-hmm. at night in the winter is <laughs> pretty low. Yeah. You know, it's always a good idea to let people know where you're going, um, you know, and, and all the normal check-in things you should mm-hmm, do mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, hey, you might break a leg or something like that. Anything, you know, if you're out alone. Um, but, you know, we we use uh, sort of nighttime activities, right? Like whether it's going for a hike or um, I love nighttime mountain biking. You get the bright enough light to put one on your helmet, mm-hmm. one on your handlebars, and you can do the same thing with fat bikes, mm-hmm. right? Go rip around city trails. Well, when there's that much snow too, everything's so much brighter. Mm-hmm. And there and there's no leaves to block, like when you're going through the forest. Yeah. The leaves are down, so whatever ambient light there is around... You see everything. ...isn't blocked out. Yeah. You know, so the... Uh, whether it's light pollution, you know, if it's an overcast evening or if the moon's out. Yeah. Um... You know, it, even in the forest, it's not as dark just because the, the trees have no leaves on them. Yeah. So it really opens up the opportunities to expand your activities, not just on the weekend or feel like you have to do it at lunchtime. You can really do it after work as well. Yeah. And there's it, it's fun, like getting a whole gang together, whether it's going out with your kids or, uh, you know, basically if you have like a little social group. Um yeah. And you can even do the whole thing we talked about of social distancing with your with your phone. Um, you know, yeah, and your... I, think, I think people do feel safer to visit friends and, and, you know, do play dates with kids at a distance outside or when they're outside. And you mm-hmm. can wear masks because everybody's face is cold anyway. Yeah. So if they're going to be more motivated then. But um, when you and I first met, it was actually through bushcraft. And mm-hmm. that's another thing that you can do, whether it be day or night. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of fun. So yeah. how do you define bushcraft? Well, basically it's any bush living skills. So whether it's fire making, um, wood processing, everything from like, you know, processing wood down for firewood to, um, carving, uh, making spoons, you know, any of that type of thing. Shelter building. Shelter building. Survival. Um, n- you know, natural, uh, foods, which in the winter are harder to come by, uh, you know, and it can even expand into things like making your own clothes and, uh, hmm. you know, that type of thing. But um, the way that I always teach it, like bushcraft are the skills that you need for wilderness survival. Mm-hmm. Right. But you also need them for wilderness living. Right. Right. Because effectively every day is survival. We just don't think of it as being that hard. Mm-hmm. Right? But every day you don't die, you survived. Right. Right? And so it's the same thing. If you were living off the land, um, 
then it's bushcraft skills. If you're having to live or survive off the land for whether it's overnight or an extended period of time in an unplanned way, it's the same skills just applied to a survival situation, right? So I, I think everybody, you know, anybody that spends time in the outdoors um, should practice these skills, mm-hmm. right? And then because it, aside from being fun, um, and it doesn't hurt to be the best fire maker in your game group of <laughs> friends. Um, you never know when a situation, whether it's somebody injured in your party, you know, on a backpacking trip, uh, you know, that type of thing, um, getting lost. Yeah. Um, that stuff can happen. Yeah. I, I What I've taken away from all of our trips is um, there's a couple keys. You know, if something goes wrong, you need to make sure you're continuously going to be warm. Um, and the rule that you have about keeping warm is either you're in your sleeping bag, you're a buyer fire, or you're moving around, you're yeah. working. And if you're not doing any of those three, then you should be <laughs> pick one. Um, and eating, eating the right kind of foods, right? You want to eat fatty foods, chocolate, butter, you know, uh, coconut um, oil. Is that, yeah, and just even coconut. You know, whatever, uh, adding more fat to your diet before you go to bed if you're camping outside. Um, I found that fire making was actually really interesting. Number one, uh, you have to be careful you don't kill down, you know, cut down live trees because everything snaps. Um, I guess all of the syrup or all of the, the sap is drained, right, in the winter, would you say? Um, or it freezes and it becomes very brittle. So Yeah, but you, you can tell a dead tree, right? The bark is falling off of it. Right, but when the leaves are down yeah, on trees, but, but usually the, that's how I would have told, seen it in the past. Yeah, I'm just saying there's other ways besides right. just no leaves on it. Yeah, but but I'm just giving caution here that all trees are brittle in the winter, so they're very easy to burn. Um, no, they're not easy to burn. They're not? No, they're easy to break. Okay. Um, because okay. one of the ways through when it's not sub-zero temperatures that you can tell um, a branch is dry... Like mm-hmm. on a dead tree, is that right. it snaps cleanly. Right. Well, in the winter, because everything's frozen, it does as well. You can get some snap freely. Right. Um, uh, whereas, you know, if it's the, the best thing you can always look for for starting a fire is coniferous trees, like, you know, pine, spruce, they're evergreens, mm-hmm. right? So they don't lose their leaves. Mm-hmm. So if you have low dead branches on the tree that have no needles on it's dead right they're dead and they're off the ground yeah right and usually the boughs above protect them from being wet right you know so that's an easy way Mm -hmm. Um, and if you find a coniferous tree uh because they grow quickly you can find like dead ones all the time Mm -hmm. right um so they're the easiest ones to process as well um, because it's soft wood Right. It's easier to cut up and got it. You know, and I think we've got a blog and possibly a podcast on fire building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, what I was really surprised is how easy it is, though, once you have the right wood and you process it is how easy it is to start a fire in the snow. Mm-hmm. It's no big deal. So that's really interesting. And then, of course, the survival skills. If you get stuck out one night, what do you do? You know, having your and we have um, another episode on um I suppose it would be our first aid kit and emergency kit. Ten essentials. Ten essentials, right. 
Uh, we have a blog on that. But one of the things I like the most is carrying your garbage bags, right? Mm-hmm. A couple of them. And then that way you can stuff um, evergreen um, boughs in them and uh, create like a, a mattress mm-hmm. insulation so you're off the ground. Yeah. I mean, it won't be the most comfortable stay, but if you have to stay somewhere, you can easily <laughs> survive. Yeah. Because uh, the thing is, is that the, the comfort part is irrelevant. Right. You know. Starting we, a we fire. Want... Yeah. You know, you have your, it's always good to have a tarp so you can have some shelter because you want to keep warm. Keeping warm is really, really key. And you've had some interesting, I mean, we've also had some interesting chats about falling through ice and mm-hmm. what to do then. And you're in your underwear and you're like a spit between two fi- campfires, yeah. <laughs> making sure you're all front and backside are warm. Yep. And getting dried out. Like that's the key. Right? Yeah, it's dry and warm. Yeah, because so, how much time do you have in the cold uh, before you get hypothermia? It, it, it so so if you go through the ice, it's minutes, mm-hmm. right? So you got to get yourself out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the one time I went through, mm-hmm. uh, it was you know a couple little tricks. Always have um, like ice picks hanging from around your wrists. Mm-hmm. Right, because trying to pull yourself out of the water <laughs> on smooth ice mm-hmm. is difficult. But if you have, they're little handles with a, a little spike on steel mm-hmm. spike on the end. Mm-hmm. Well, then you can grab those in your hands because they're hanging around your wrists, mm-hmm. and like you're ice climbing, pull your belly out. Got it. Right to get out of the water, um, and the and the key is turn around. Like if you are going in one direction on the ice and you go through it. Mm-hmm. Um. Turn around and get out the side you came, were coming from. Oh, really? Because you know... It's strong because yeah. it held your weight. Yeah. Well, you don't know going forward if that'll hold your weight. Mm. Right? So it's just sort of a smart little thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's always a good idea to have on you, um, whether it's in your pockets or what have you, but in a, in a dry bag, um, a fire making kit. Mm-hmm. Right? Everything you need... To get a guaranteed fire going, some barbecue lighting cubes, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, basically whether it's, uh, you want anything that doesn't require a lot of dexterity to operate because you're frozen. Right. <laughs> um, uh, so anything that requires a lot of fine motor movement isn't what you want. Mm-hmm. You know, like even one of those big, dumb survival matches mm-hmm. that's a fire starter on its own. Yeah. Um, you know, things like that. Yeah, especially in the winter, you don't want to fuck around. Yeah. You want to be careful because and then, it's the cold. And a big part of it is, too, is that when you get out of the water, um, as quick as you can, get to shore. Uh, like, hike over to the shore, and you've got to make a fire. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, if you're with a group, then one of the things that can be going on is they're getting everything ready for a fire. Mm-hmm. Right? While you're getting into dry clothes. Mm-hmm. You know, because that way, if you quickly change into dry clothes, mm-hmm. and maybe you've got a thermos of some warm drinks with you, get that in you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but maybe keep... can somebody somebody else can take their clothes off and share their body heat with you. No, unless you got a sleeping bag. That's like what that's, I mean. It's not a good idea. It's not. Okay. Um, the key is get a fire. Okay. Right, because now what you could end up is two frozen people. Oh, really? Yeah. You know, it's one thing if it's a controlled environment, mm-hmm. but out in the middle of nowhere, it's not a controlled environment. Mm. Um. You know, so I would, you know, because obviously if somebody's stopping to share body heat with you, mm-hmm. they're also not collecting firewood, mm-hmm. right? So I would prioritize that way. Okay. And, 
you know, in, in my case, when I went through, uh, it was a case where, uh, I just got pissed off. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And you'd be amazed with that adrenaline dump. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, you just force yourself to keep moving. Mm-hmm. It's like, and yell a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and it was just like pounding through the forest. Like luckily it was a coniferous forest, like mm-hmm. uh, evergreens. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of um, stuff I could just bust off by hand. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and I got a bundle and then another bundle and another bundle. And that moving, mm-hmm. right, is generating heat. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but I'm sure. Because you lost everything. You lost your backpack. No, that was a different. <laughs> No, that was when I was crossing a river. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, that was a whole different one. Right. <laughs> so okay. I've, I've had a few adventures. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, this was like in the winter going through the ice. Okay. Not wiping out in a river, but mm-hmm. getting your feet taken out from under you by the current. Yeah. Um, well, luckily, yeah, we'll, we'll tell that story another time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's the whole thing. Um, and never like never go on the ice by yourself, mm-hmm. right? Um, and everybody who's out should be sort of staggered. Mm-hmm. So if one person goes through, the other people aren't immediately going through. Mm-hmm. And everybody should have like a, uh, you know, some sort of throw line mm-hmm. um, with a carabiner on it. Yeah. Right. So that then you can drive somebody out. Yeah. Pull them out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it's the thing. It's like uh, if you get a fire going. Mm-hmm. Once it's going nicely and you're just turning around in a circle, then get another fire going uh, basically six to eight yeah. feet away. And yeah. then you're between the two of them. That's what Catherine was intimating. <laughs> I've done right. that a few times in my life. Right. Um, now you've got fire coming from both sides, yeah. front and back. Yeah. Um, or heat, not fire. But but the you got a fire on both sides of you. And if you do a third one, now you've got an SOS sign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true. It is. And then if you have your orange emergency blanket. Or, or um, sheet yep. that sometimes people use for, you know, shelter tarps or for under pads, you know, under tarps underneath their tent. Um, that also acts as an SOS sign too, especially in the winter. It's orange. Yep. Um, plus it doubles as a, a nice warm blanket because of the reflective material on it, right? Mm-hmm. And in, in when you're by a fire, it reflects off more heat. Yeah, it reflects the heat back at you. Yeah, yeah so there's a lot of it. good uses for that. So bushcraft's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a great, you know, fun thing to do with your friends and family, and, and but it's really important life-saving skills for you, right? Yeah, and it, and it's fun, right? It, yeah. Like, it, teaching your kids, uh, you know, whether it's fire making or, you know, not tying, you know, these are all skills that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think... One of the biggest things in the winter, right, is giving yourself things to look forward to, right? In the summer when every day is beautiful, right, like you don't need to look forward to anything because tomorrow's beautiful, mm-hmm. right? Whereas whether it's like a planned thing on the weekend, um, you know, a Wednesday night hike yeah. uh, with headlamps or, you know, getting some things in place that you've got something you're looking forward to mm-hmm. um, when it's kind of bleak. You know, dreary, cold, you know, the kind of thing where you crack your front door and you're like instantly. Burr. Yeah, let's talk about it about a bit about that again, um, because that's what everybody complains about, including my kids, is feeling cold. And so, you know, obviously, if you're outside in, in the outdoors, 
good hiking boots. I get winter hiking boots, mm-hmm. not your summer. Yeah. Makes a big difference because they can keep your feet warm up to what temperatures. Oh, uh, there's ones that go down to minus 50. Yeah. And they're warm. Yeah. I never have issues and I'm always cold. Yeah. Right. So that's one key thing. I wear um, long johns. And in fact, the ones I'm wearing right now, are these mamuts? Yeah. Yeah. They're awesome. They're so thin and they've got this waffle like uh, textured pattern on them, which when I first put them on, I'm like, are you kidding me? This is like nylons. This isn't going to keep me warm. And it does. Mm-hmm. It's really amazing. It's just, it really holds the warmth. So you put that under a pair of, um, you know, loose, and that's a good key term, loose, loose pants that are synthetic. Yeah. You know? Or, or like a, like a soft shell pant. Cause it'll cut the wind. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you think about there, there's the ambient temperature and then there's the wind, mm-hmm. right? So if there was no wind, the temperature that you can handle is much lower. But as soon as the wind picks up and it tends to be windy in winter, mm-hmm. right? Um, then you need things that'll break the wind, right? So it's like having shells on, uh, you know, um, having like a glove that, like a regular wool glove <coughs> can be fairly warm, but if the wind picks up, it blows right through it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then having like a, either an overshell um, over your, your wool gloves or, you know, something along those lines. So it bre- acts as a windbreaker. Yeah. And because anything that might touch the ground... Um, whether it's your knees, your hands, you know, like touch the snow, mm-hmm. it's a good idea to have stuff that's at least water resistant because mm-hmm. you don't want the, the snow melting and soaking through your pants. Yeah. Um, a lot of women sometimes run cold on their bo- bottom and I'm one of those people. So what I do now is I bought this, um, basically it's like a quilted skirt. skirt. Yeah. That's water, you know, it's like a waterproof material. Um, and it's just a, it's like a down skirt mm-hmm. with that material on top and it's just an added layer, yep. which I've noticed makes a big difference, even at nighttime sleeping. Mm-hmm. So I quite like that. I have a wool one as well and they both work well. Uh, it's just for an added, added layer of warmth. And then, um, I know you've told me to wear like a tight, um, fitted synthetic turtleneck, mm-hmm. you know, or a shirt, but a turtleneck's good. And then I wear another layer and then I wear my shell. Yeah. And that's all I wear in pretty cold temperatures. Yeah. And then it's always good to have like a down puffy jacket mm. with you to put on when you stop moving, when you take a break. Right. Uh, because when you're moving, you're generating a lot of heat. Uh, and then having something to put on um, when you stop for a break. Right. Um, you know, can really make a big difference. And, and remember that the reason why we want you to start off when you're cold you want to start off feeling cold for about a good five, maybe seven minutes until you're really, you know, moving and working is because if you don't, you'll sweat. And if you sweat, it's harder with all those layers for that to all evaporate. Mm-hmm. And if you stop and you're sweaty, you're going to get cold. Yeah, you're going to get cold in a hurry. Right. So you want to be dry. And if you're just a little bit wet, you'll find that your body heat will just dry everything off. Yeah. So that's why we urge you to start off cold because that's the, exactly the right. Yeah. Or I, I don't like to say cold. I like to say start off cool. Okay. You know, um, where it's just like, oh man, if I was standing around, I'd put something more on. Yeah. But because you're going to get moving. But if you're getting hot and you need to take, take stuff off, take it off. Yeah. Right. Like, cause one of the things I see happen a lot, especially if you're, um, you know, doing things with people, mm-hmm. somebody setting a pace and you don't want to slow people down. Mm. So then you put yourself at risk. Uh, because 
you don't want to stop and change your layers. You don't want to slow people down. Right. Right. Well, in this environment for, you know, your, your safety, don't get sweaty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're doing a, a greater service if you do stop and yeah. fix that problem. Because generally, um, you know, it can become a much bigger problem if somebody gets hypothermic. For sure. So those are the key things. Wearing a Tuca course, um, you can always wear a buff as well. But um, those are the key things for when you're just outdoors. And um, now something that I'm looking for, so just switch topic, um, that's going to be new for me and possibly us that we haven't done before, is ice fishing. We just had Ron Dershner, mm-hmm. the Great White Knight, on a previous episode. Um, and he's invited us to go ice fishing. Yeah. Which so- I've always, I've never been... Um, to me, it's always just seemed like an excuse to get away from your family and drink beer. <laughs> but Ron is like a serious fishing guy. So he is. I may, may just do commentary and drink beer. I think so. Uh, and just hang out because he's very funny. Yeah. He's a rapper. He's a singer. And he's a fisherman. Yeah. So that com- combination is great. And all these voices come out. So we have a good time. Yeah, definitely another thing you can do with the family, you know. Yeah, if, you, if you've got water sources that freeze over. Um, you know, so any of our listeners from Minnesota, uh, and obviously here in Ontario and, um, Quebec, you know, like places that, that you need a lot of lakes or you need lakes mm-hmm. and you need it to freeze. <laughs> yeah. You know, cause to go out on the water, like on the ice, you want ideally at least four inches thick. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where you got to have it cold for a while for that to happen, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it tends to be uh, you don't you don't see uh, a lot of uh, ice fishing down in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. No, you don't. No, you don't. Um, and then the other thing that I've been wanting to do for quite a while is ice climbing. And mm-hmm. so just our last episode we had with uh, Frederick Schuett with uh, One Axe Pursuits. He's here in Alora, Ontario, just a half hour away from us. He builds his own ice waterfall off a 60-foot high um, cliff. cliff. And, uh, and I, I think he runs from, what was the levels? From two to four? Yeah, from, so. Uh, and ice climbing. W- yeah, it's WI, water ice. Mm. Um, and then I think it's like one to six is the yeah. uh, the grades. Right, and he goes and, from two to four. Yeah. Maybe up to a five. But um, yeah, yeah. So that's something that would be really, really cool to try. And yeah, because if you're in an area like the Adirondacks, like, you know, in New York. Quebec. Uh, like, yeah, like sort of Val David and places like that are probably going to have some good frozen waterfalls. Up north in Ontario. Yep. Yeah, Sault Bancroft, Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah. Um, Agua County. Yeah, because you end up with uh, waterfalls that freeze mm-hmm. and that sort of prime ice climbing. In fact, up there, they have their annual ice f- climbing festival. That's Bancroft, yeah. Is it Bancroft? Yeah. Okay, yeah, we'll have to put that in the show notes to let people know about But that's a big family-friendly Yeah, although event. this year, I don't know if Hopefully, yeah, I'll be curious to see what they do this year, but um, it's a big event. Yeah, and yeah. basically, if you've never ice climbed before, there's like clinics and... Yeah, and they say that if you, um, especially for kids, you, you know, it can get kind of expensive. So what you can do is, or even for yourself, just use um, downhill ski boots, yeah. the, the ski boots that you would use for that. Um, and then they would supply with you with the, you know, the crampons, the, the and, the ice crampons axes. and ice axes and the harness and all that. 
and the helmets, so you're probably fine. And and I suppose if you're a rock climber, you can use your helmet, and uh, as long as your harness fits over your snow pants, because you got to be warm. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. You're, you know, it's in colder temperatures, and that would work as well. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I, I'm. That would be really, really cool. Um, we also have an uh, Ontario Winter Symposium that happens every year. Typically, I don't know if this year it'll just be virtually here in Waterloo, but mm-hmm. this is where they... Yeah, the Winter Camping Symposium. Yeah, they talk often a lot about um, hot and cold tenting, more yeah. so hot tenting. That's a big thing. Yeah. I think it's a natural transition for people who don't want to be without the comforts. And so what hot tenting is, is that you typically have a canvas tent that's quite large and it's got um, uh, holes in it that's specialized for putting a stove in your tent with, you know... A wood stove and a, yeah. and a chimney or a Pretty flue. much, Yeah. Yeah. And so he makes it quite comfortable. And then there's folks that will do, you know, treks up in northern Ontario. I forget the name of the group. Uh, Lure of the North. Yeah. 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 But they have some pretty neat. um, And you've got people who get very traditional, right? With the clothing. Mm. That. um, Yeah, it's like a wood canvas or a woolen canvas. And that's uh, right. With the long coats. And yeah, it's very interesting, you know, if you want to go back to the way things were done at one point. Yeah, like if it's cold enough, like that um, canvas anoric, mm-hmm. right? Like that a canvas overshell that's kind of like baggy. It cuts the wind, mm-hmm. um, but it breathes better than Gore-Tex or something like that, right? Um, mm-hmm. And you can wax like the hood and the shoulders. Okay. So that snow coming down doesn't soak through. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's, there's some advantages to... Um, that type of thing because when you're working hard like that material cuts the wind really well Mm -hmm. but the combination of wool and canvas breathe better than anything else yeah um then if you've got like a gore-tex shell on and if you just want to live vicariously through others uh john baird who is a former winner on um jim sorry and if you're if you're interested on living vicariously through others jim baird is a canadian from ontario and he was on the show alone with his brother with his brother and they won. Do you know what year that was? Uh, I think it was like three or four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but he's an, an adventurer at heart, him and his brother. But he uh, he did a quite an interesting expedition in, um, geez, where was it? Well, there was Baffin Island and then crossing the peninsula in Quebec, northern Quebec. Yeah. Um, he's done a few different winter. With him and his dog. Yeah. Buck yeah. died, you know that? I know. Yeah. He's a good dog. I know. Yeah. You're so you know. sweet. It's like, it's funny. Like, <laughs> Who cares about the people? Yeah, it's like plane, plane <laughs> loads of people go down and it's like, oh, yeah, whatever. But but the dog died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Not on that trip. No. But, but, but yeah. Um, and he's got some great um, videos mm-hmm. of that trip. It was pretty exciting. Yeah. Pretty scary. So um, quite, quite thrilling. Um, and then lastly, um, you know, my friend Kirsten said to me, Hey, Catherine, want to do a snow building competition? Oh yeah. We're yeah. going to, we're going to make like a snow fort. Yeah. Yeah. She, she was in the news a couple of years ago for doing something like that. Yeah. So, you know, going back to, you know, just playing in the snow with a family, go big. Yeah. Do some, get some structures and make it a project and plan things out and see what other people have done, you know, just to make summer or summer winter, <laughs> that much better yeah you know, and, and it, like if you if you have some things to do some projects um you know um some fitness goals you're training for for the spring um 
and then make sure, you know, because there's not enough sunlight, uh, you know, make sure you're taking like 5,000 IUs, international units of vitamin D a day, because mm-hmm. um, that makes a huge difference, mm-hmm. right? Not only um, to your mood and, and everything like that over the winter, but it also in these times of COVID, um, vitamin D deficiency has been linked to um, like increased risk of, you know, serious complications and death from COVID. Right. So uh, it's kind of a no brainer. You'll feel better and you'll be healthier. Yeah. You know, taking your vitamin D. Yeah. Because you can't get the sun. Or you can get one of those fancy like Ben Greenfield, like sun lamp things. For, That's true. You know. Shine blue light on your balls. balls or whatever he does. <laughs> <laughs> you know. oh, so there's, there's many hacks, but... You know, yeah. really the the big thing of getting through winter um, is having things to look forward to and do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and here's the thing I'll say to anybody that doesn't like to be cold. Okay. Because none of us like to be cold. No. Um, but if you lived in LA where it's pretty much warm all year long, mm-hmm. um, it's boring. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you, the big thing I run into and this is where reframing things in your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate being cold because it makes me appreciate not being cold. <laughs> right? Like, it's one of those things in the winter. Um, like, say, even a hike, you start chilly. Yeah. And, and every time, you know, in the first 10 minutes, you warm right up. I would say hiking and adventures, hiking in the winter in particular, snowshoeing is that much better than in the summer for me, hands down. It's just so much more interesting. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It all depends where you're going. Sure. Um, But if you're in a forest, you're on the Bruce Trail in Ontario or just on a really scenic area where there's waterfalls or whatever, like water, little brooks, it's it's really beautiful. mm -hmm. And it's something that you can enjoy. I, I think you can get so much more immense pleasure out of it you know on a daily basis going for a hike and you're not dealing with mosquitoes yep i'm a big fan of that right you're doesn't take much to keep warm the fresh air the fresh air is so good for you with respect to you know if you have any um mental health issues you're combating and you're just trying to change your perspective on things like just that temperature change Mm -hmm. is so good for you put on a podcast put on something that makes you laugh well, and, Get out uh, of your head. Yeah, and I think know? one of the things, too, of doing anything, um, like being out in the wilderness or just in the wild, you know, in green space, even though it's not green, um, in the wintertime, also has a, uh, a gravity to it, right? It's an environment that you don't really belong, mm-hmm. you know, like in the sense that uh, in the summertime, if I dropped you naked mm-hmm. in the forest, mm-hmm. you'd get covered in bug bites, but it's not going to kill you, right? Whereas winter, it will, right? So it, it it makes you a little more in tune, right? You're you're paying attention to things more. Um, you know, you're concerned with just the basics. And it's hard to get too up in your head when you're actually, okay, am I warm enough am i hydrated am i Mm -hmm. you know managing your energy expenditure you know don't want to get sweaty like you're all these things that you're concerned with about just staying safe Mm -hmm. um i find does an amazing thing as far as just sort of reacquainting you with the things that matter 
Yeah. Right. Actually, I'm glad you mentioned the hydration because what I didn't realize were two things. One, uh, just because it's cold out doesn't mean you don't get hydrate, you know, dehydrated. You do. Mm-hmm. In fact, for some reason, I think it's worse. Um, or, or it's deceiving. Yeah. Right. Because it's so cool out. And you're not thirsty. Yeah. But it is a thing. And number two, you're going to need to insulate your, if you're drinking out of a bladder, right, the, the tube, you're going to need to insulate it. And you can buy those. You just put them mm-hmm. over your, otherwise they freeze and it yeah. turns into ice. Um, or if you have bottles, you want to have them in insulated bottle koozies. Yeah. You know, so that your water doesn't freeze. Yeah. But key, key, key points. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. Well, we hope you guys, uh, uh, you know, got some ideas and some things to look forward to and to try out if you have any questions just reach out to us yeah um, and if you're if you're our listener from like northern texas um none of this applies to you so <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, you 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 enjoy your you know your dry season yep <laughs> whatever whatever you know texas winter is like <laughs> yeah or you know something to look forward maybe to one day maybe you do want to try it yeah. but um yeah yeah but reach out to us if you uh really enjoy this episode please uh, like subscribe um share yeah. this uh, episode or leave a Give comment a comment on the the itunes or wherever you get your podcasts yes um five star reviews um really help us out yeah because we're, we're it's all about the algorithms right that's what uh, all the podcasts i listen to say Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, ah, oh, it's about moving us up in the algorithm. Exactly. So, so we, we, we want to get in on that. Do us a favor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned. And uh, yeah, we'll be uh, hopefully bringing out some episodes on ice fishing and ice climbing uh, this winter. Yeah. So it's going to be good. So until mm-hmm. next time. I'm Catherine. Live wild. Work hard. Play dirty. I'm Catherine. I'm Winston. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>